I absolutely love speaking in generalities. So I'm going to talk about kids these days. Yes, kids these days. One thing I think separates millennials and Gen Z from their predecessors, in my opinion, is the fact that they don't have very many practical skills. See, my grandpa, when he was a kid, knew how to paint, fish, hunt, skin and clean an animal, fix anything on a car, shoot a gun, sculpt, identify edible plants in the wild, and talk to people, you know, in person. When he talked to girls, he could see them instead of just sliding into their DM. He hiked for miles instead of scrolled for miles. He knew how to grow vegetables, not be one. Oh, good idea. You know, that wasn't very funny. Who wrote that? Oh, oh yeah, I did. Anyway, the world these days seems to scream, well, don't just do something, sit there. Most people these days aren't learning a new skill, they spend too much time online. If you ask them what their talent or skills are, they don't have a response. But, like I said, I like speaking in generalities. And our guest today I generally like. Because he's bucking this trend. He has a special set of skills, but he's not Liam Neeson. I will find you. And I will kill you. He has become a master of his various crafts. Furthermore, he's a flutist, a jeweler, a good friend of mine, a Navajo, and he joins me in the studio now, Ty Allison. Ty, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Big fan of your show. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I am uh, really excited to have you here. We uh, we go back long, long ways. Um, yeah, many moons. Many moons, almost a, a full year, I think. I think so. So uh, yeah, we're buddies from work um, at an undisclosed location, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to get us fired for what we talk about tonight or whatever. But uh, no, we we've uh, done a lot of hanging out. We do a lot of chatting. We don't have a water cooler in the office. No, no, um, we don't. No, I usually, uh, I usually go grab a snack in the morning, um, like a cheese stick or something, and then uh, just, yeah, make my way over to your desk and just kind of, you know, do unproductive things. Shoot the breeze until someone important walks by. Yep, uh, and then I get scared and <laughs> run off. And uh, to be entirely honest, part of my idea to start the show in the first place was like, Ty and I would talk about some pretty interesting stuff, at least in my opinion, <laughs> and I'm like, I got to throw this online. Somebody else grabbing a snack is going to want to just listen to this. Yeah, exactly. So, Someone might relate. Exactly. So I appreciate having you here, Ty. Um, we go way back. Like I said, uh, we, we've done a lot of things together outside of the workplace as well, including my first and second time only golfing. Yeah, that was, um, that was really fun. You were present for that. Yeah. Also, our, our friend we made along the way. Yes, our Sherpa from San Diego, right? Is, yes. Do you remember I, his name? I don't remember his name, no. Okay, so a little background. Uh, Ty is always talking to me about golf and all this, and a bunch of the guys that are on Disclosed Company like to golf. And, and so uh, they talked me into doing it. I'd only done mini golf, top golf, and uh, frisbee golf <laughs> before. <laughs> so all the other golfs. Yes, all the other golfs. Um, and uh, so they talked me into coming out and golfing with them, like actual golf, and I got some golf clubs. And uh, we, were, we were going for it, and uh, it started to rain. Mm-hmm which wasn't great. And we yeah. got to our first hole and there was this um, wise golfing monk or whatever Yeah, from San Diego at the first hole. And he's like, "You got if you guys want to jump in, we can just golf together. Yep. It's almost as if he appeared out of the mist or out of the rain, you know. Yeah, just kind of showed up like part of the ways and was like, I'm here to teach you how to golf. Yeah, like a true 
spiritual guide. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Like he he taught me a lot of things. He was saying a lot of things like, look, when you when you step up to drive, you have to have sturdy hands because if you're not focused, you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, that's really profound. And he's like, it's just about golf. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, don't read into it too much. But so anyway, we ended up golfing. It was a great time, and we went to like uh, Black Bear Diner afterwards. And uh, that was probably more enjoyable for me than the golfing itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we went golfing another time, and the Sherpa from San Diego was not there, and I did considerably worse. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I think I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did play. Subpar, Sub- I think, is the... Is that? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> is that from golf? I have no idea. It better be. Anyway... So we had a fun time golfing, and uh, we've we've wound up hanging out a time or two outside of that. Uh, Ty came to one of my comedy shows last year, mm-hmm. threatening me with heckling the whole time, and then showed up with no game the night of. I don't remember you trying to give me one. Well, it's hard to heckle when there's only three people in the audience. Hey. Ooh, a little post-show heckling right now. <laughs> so. Okay, well... Uh, Watch, this is going to get three views online. <laughs> and I'll probably say something in the comments. Exactly. Uh, but no, that was a fun time. Uh, we, we have a buddy, uh, Caleb, who worked at Undisclosed Company with us and uh, mm-hmm. doesn't anymore. And uh, he came to the show and he's actually getting married here uh, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing some jokes at his wedding. Yeah, he's marrying my cousin. Yeah, that's fun. Um at least you're not marrying your cousin. I know around these parts that ends up happening sometimes. <laughs> I might cut that out, but I might keep that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how it goes. But no, I mean, that's that'll be fun, doing some jokes there. I, I've actually got another show coming up here in a little bit, so I'll, I'd love to see you in the front row and actually have you give me a hard time. Yeah, maybe I'll put some thought into my, my heckles. Well, not too much thought. I'd, my, I'm getting sweaty hands just thinking about it. So, come on, dude. Don't don't give me a hard time. Um, but no, I mean, I've been getting into this, and, and it's because of friends like Ty that have really kind of uh, got me started with things, with the podcast, with the comedy shows, and, and kept me going. Um, you're just a great man. Yeah, well, So thank you. I, I mean, I just feel bad, so I feel like I have to laugh at everything you say that I perceive as a joke. Hey, I'll you know, pity whatever, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take what I can get these days, right? <laughs> Yeah, this um, economy. And, yeah. Um, I thought it would be kind of a fun idea, Ty, to give people a little bit of an insight to if they were a fly on the wall during one of our conversations on your way to get a snack. Okay. Uh, what are the kind of things that we would talk about? And so I've listed a couple of examples, <laughs> and uh, we're just going to chat the way we would chat if uh, nobody was watching, but this time at least three of you will be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, let's get that going. So... Let's pretend like you just walked by and you grab some beef jerky or something. Yep. Okay. Ty's walking by. He's mm-hmm. got a snack. Oh, hey, what's up, Ty? Oh, hey, Anthony. Nice jacket. Thanks. Uh, I don't mind your clothes either. <laughs> Thank did you. you. Did you put them on yourself? Uh, yes, I did. It took me a full hour today. Sweet. Hey, do you feel like working right now? Mm, not really. Me neither. <laughs> Let's talk about conspiracy theories. So, uh, you know how people are always... Talking about what's a fruit and what's a vegetable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, so here's what we got. We got people saying, all right, here we got watermelon, oranges, apples, clearly fruits. And then someone's like, yeah, potatoes and tomatoes are vegetables. And then there's always somebody who goes, um, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Tomatoes are actually a fruit too. 
and it's like these these people oh these incels never have any friends <laughs> and they're like it's the tomatoes aren't a vegetable they're a fruit and i think that's just that's just big fruit trying to steal a vegetable away because mm. i was raised look you go to the grocery store the tomatoes are next to the other vegetables because it's a vegetable that's true fruits are fruits vegetables are vegetables i think one clear way to know what is actually a fruit and actually a vegetable mm -hmm. not according to captain nerd mm -hmm. is does it go well in a salad okay so yeah. that's the test i do people put strawberries and blueberries in salad yuck gross that's how you can tell it doesn't belong well so. what about fruit salads oh my gosh you just blew my mind <laughs> Fruit salad, that, that ruins the whole theory. But we're just going to ignore that uh, because <laughs> that does not confirm my biases. So, uh, we're, no. Uh, but typically, fruit does not go in a salad unless it's a fruit salad, then by definition. Um, I, think, and, I, think that's a good, I think that's a good way to determine if yeah. some sort of thing is a fruit or vegetable. And does a tomato go in a regular salad? It does. It does. So it is a vegetable. Mm -hmm. that's, it's as simple as that for me. That's science. But, yeah. That's not me talking, that's science! Ty, I have another one for you. Okay. Um, birds aren't real. Have you heard of that movement? I've only seen memes about it. I'm not too familiar. Okay. It's, it's legit, okay? Okay. So I know people like the memes and whatever, but they have like a website here. I'll show it to you. Um, yeah, let's see it. Show you the merch. Oh, they got merch. They got merch. You can't have a good conspiracy theory without trying to make some money off of people. Oh, look at that, yeah. So they got this whole design of, like, the mechanics of a bird. They got a funny one that's like, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? Good point. <laughs> um, but the whole idea behind birds aren't real is, um, well, first of all, to make money because of the merch. But also, the doctrine behind it is... Um, Throughout the 1950s and 60s, the U.S. government slowly killed off all the birds and replaced them with drones hmm. um, as part of the surveillance state, right? And uh, they did this to spy on potential enemies of the state, communists, uh, people that wanted to think for themselves, um, you and I. I. I know there's birds watching us. But basically, the birds are always watching you, and there aren't any real birds anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, have you ever wondered why birds just sort of sit on telephone wires? Oh, no. They're charging. They're drones and they need to charge their batteries. Oh. Okay? That makes sense. They're not just hanging out. Like, why would they do that? I can see that. Why would a real bird sit on a telephone line? Yeah, why would they? It's dumb. Birds are not real, people. Check it out. Okay. Um, this actually does give me another idea, though. So, if, um, I think we could bank in on some merch of our own. Yeah, I think we just come up with some random conspiracy. And, I mean, obviously we got to do merch. Got to do merch. Um, but it's all about the truth. Yeah. But I think we can make some good money, too. So we come up with our own conspiracy theory, mm -hmm. um, something that really gets people going. Yeah. Like, for example, I had to replace my tires recently. Yeah. And what if um, the people that make the roads and the people that make the tires are, like, in cahoots, right? And so the people that make the roads make them bad for tires, so the tires wear out. And then the tire people make more money, oh. and Big Road gets more money from that. Oh, my goodness. Dude. I never thought of that. Yeah, and, and the shirts could say, like, we're tired of the lies. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that works perfectly. I, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Yeah. And all three of our listeners are going to get the shirt on my website once I have one. And we're going to we're gonna do it. I like it. Yeah. Think about it. 
that, think about it. That makes total sense to me. We're going to call it the bad year tire conspiracy. Oh. <laughs> They're coming for us. <laughs> coming for your tires. Yeah. They're, I guess in the same vein of dispelling misinformation, I have something I'd like to address the nation with, with okay. you as my witness. Okay. So, um, as a lot of my listeners know, I'm very into history, um, especially war history, the world wars, uh, before and after. And so, naturally, what does one do when they like history? They get black market Legos of soldiers from all those <laughs> wars, right? Okay. So, I have black market Legos of various um, soldiers, including German soldiers from World War Two. Na- okay. Nazis. Well, I wasn't going to use that word, but yes. <laughs> and so I had these German World War II Legos, nope. and, and I was... Nazi Legos. Uh, uh, tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> I guess <laughs> on that subject. But um, anyway, I would casually mention them to Ty and our other co-workers at Undisclosed Company just kind of for fun and then they started hassling me about it oh that makes you weird or a sympathizer or whatever but i want to clear something up with everybody tonight um i i do have uh, world war ii german legos Nazi um, legos sure and i do apologize uh, for any harm i may have caused i've i've been educating myself um on the the damage that these legos can do and i want to make sure everybody knows uh that i don't condone violence towards any lego um, in fact, I, I actually am accepting and, and play with all my Legos equally. So now that we have that cleared up, um, in order to clear it up with my coworkers, I I told them, look, uh, maybe I don't even have any of these, okay? And then they said, so you're not only a Nazi Lego sympathizer, but a liar. Mm-hmm. And that I couldn't take. So <laughs> I decided to bring some to the workplace, which I think was a really good idea. Uh, (laughs) i don't know how it would have gone talking to hr undisclosed company about this (laughs) yeah but i gifted some to ty as proof that i didn't have any (laughs) yeah i mean we didn't believe that you actually had them and then one day they just showed up on my desk yeah armed and everything and the actual lego company doesn't make these you'd be um shocked to find out Um, but i found some and i brought them into work and i gave some to ty and, and you still have them on your desk right yeah, well, I have one sitting on my desk. I don't want a whole platoon or whatever of Nazis sitting at my desk. So you have one and it's like... It's hidden. Okay, well, that's they're all hidden these days, but... <laughs> Is that another conspiracy? No, it's not. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, it's sitting on my desk uh, kind of close to another set of Legos I have. Oh, yeah? Which is a Formula One car. Oh. For the uh, Mercedes racing team. Is, so. is it Mercedes German? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not that's not good. That's not good. You shouldn't have done that. Who no. gave you that? Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're going to breeze past that like it didn't happen and uh, talk about something else. What do you think of that? I'm totally fine with that. Okay. One thing that I learned about you that I thought was really neat, Ty, in our various snacking conversations was uh, you have a few uh, handicraft skills including flute making and um i was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about that and uh, maybe demonstrate to us if you brought something for us and uh yeah i mean i, I did bring one of the instruments i've made Ooh. um hold that up for the camera <laughs> yeah so i make um 
I make Native American flutes, um, different from regular flutes, but um, yeah, I make Native American flutes. I've been ma I've been making them for probably maybe like five years now, mm. and then I have been playing them for probably b about ten years. Okay, awesome. Now, did, was there somebody in your family that introduced you to this, or was it someone else? <clears throat> or yeah, someone else. Um, so during our Sunday services when I was a kid, um, there was this gentleman who would play um, church music on his Native American flute. He was a he's also a Native American man, and he could play some 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 music. Uh, on the on the instrument and so I remember growing up just hearing that like the few times he did it I was just mesmerized by the mm. sound of the flute but also the way he was able to take you know this music from from our from our services our church and you know play them with a Native American instrument it was just like two cultures that I'm part of just kind of coming together and it just yeah. made sense that is really cool now when you describe this to me um I had envisioned a conventional smaller flute, <laughs> but I didn't realize how big they were. Yeah, I mean, they um, they come in all sorts of sizes. Yeah. Small, large. Is this about normal or is it a bigger one? Yeah, this is about a standard size, although this one's a little bit different. Um, this is what's called a drone flute. A drone flute. So it's kind of like two flutes um, in one construction. So if you look on the end, there's two two holes it's like a shotgun or something yeah, <laughs> yeah watch out don't look down the barrel <laughs> um so i can play one side both sides at the same time whatever i want to do for for you know for the performance so this is my my personal favorite this is the one i i've made completely by myself wow um and yeah i'm really 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 proud of it i guess yeah that's awesome so um and you had mentioned that it wasn't just the flute making wasn't just a, a part of your culture and something that you like to do, but you actually helped make them for work for a while. Is that right? Yeah. So I was employed as a flute maker. My official title was intonation manager, mm. meaning I did all the voicing, um, making sure they sounded great. Um, at one of at one of the uh, the best flute Native American flute shops in the world. Um, so I was really, really lucky to work there, awesome. be employed there and, and learn all I could from this really amazing artist and just really amazing guy who I, you know, continually talk to and I'm still learning from. That's awesome. I, I think it's great that you have kind of like how I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, a craft and a skill for not only making and tuning these things, but I heard playing them as well. Yeah. So, uh, I think it'd be great if we heard a little something from you, even if it's just a few bars. Okay. Uh, just to see what it, it sounds like and, and hear what you got for us. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> I'll give you a taste of what one sounds like and what both of them sound like together. Okay. <laughs> mesmerizing oh i like that thank yeah you. that was beautiful so um <clears throat> when when you're 
when you're making a flute, I'm sure you played a little bit to test it. Of course. And what if it's you're playing a note and it's a little higher, a little lower? Is there something you like you carve it out a little bit more, or how do you work with that? Exactly. On all these finger holes, you see, um, if I need to make a, a note, um, most of the time I need to make a note more sharp. I need to to raise its um, raise its frequency, and so I would enlarge the hole through various means, whether it's burning it to make it bigger with like a hot red hot iron rod or using a like a rotary carving tool mm. to kind of cut the inside where you wouldn't see it um, to effectively make the hole bigger that's awesome ty i yeah. think that's really neat uh you really have something there with your ability to to create these and then make them play beautiful music <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> well yeah anyway thanks for showing that to us ty that's that's really neat yeah of course appreciate that um in some of our other conversations, uh, you being Native American after all, yeah, and uh, I was naturally curious if you've dealt with any discrimination or yes, racism because you're a Native American. <clears throat> you know, I've I've heard stories of friends and and family members who have experienced racism, but I guess I've been fortunate enough um, where you know I haven't received any harsh racism. I mean, of course, growing up in school, like, there's always the jokes, but, like, the people I knew making them, making jokes about, you know, my culture was, it was never from a place trying to discriminate or, you know, place of hatred. It was always, you know, just there for fun and, and you know, I, I never bothered me. And so I've always been fortunate where I've never had anyone come up to me and say anything racist or been discriminated against. I feel like... Growing up, it was always the opposite. I feel mm -hmm. like people are always so fascinated with with who I was, and you know, asking questions. Yeah. You know, wanting me to do something, and I just felt like it was always. I don't. Know, I felt like like cool, like I stood out, and like people wanted to know who about who I was. Yeah, it's part of what makes you special. Mm -hmm. um, it got caught my attention for sure when you started talking about the flutes, and then in a minute we're gonna get to some of the the jewelry making that you do, which mm -hmm. is also um, inspired by your culture. So I, I don't know if this is racism, but whenever I go to like a Mexican market or whatever, oh, I, you've told me this. They, they assume I speak Spanish and they just kind of start talking to me in Spanish. Yeah. I, would, I, <laughs> I don't think that's racism, but... <laughs> but you thought of it when we talked about racism. <laughs> when we were talking about race, yeah. Yeah, okay, race, yes. So... Um, I remember actually you, you were walking by my desk and telling me, Hey, I'm going to go get some Mexican food. I'm like, okay, be safe. <laughs> and then when you came back, you're like, it happened. I'm like, I figured it might. So yeah, that's funny. Sometimes I just let it slide and just shake my head and hand them my card and, you know, order whatever I'm going to order in English and then just leave it at that. I don't address it. You don't go into like getting your cell phone out and getting them fired. Or <laughs> no, I say no. That... <laughs> would be terrible I yeah that, that wouldn't myself. be so good you know one one thing that that comes to mind when when talking about being native american you mentioned that you're navajo mm -hmm. um the largest if i'm not wrong um indian reservation in the whole country yeah yeah we have the largest reservation bigger than a lot of states um or not a lot but some states about the size of west virginia hmm. but it's all desert yeah so. and uh there's a lot less Cousin marriage, I'm sure, than, <laughs> than West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know about that. 
know about you that. You don't even have to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. So, um, yeah, and it's in four corners, right? So it, it takes up space in four different states. Yeah, four corners of the United States. We have land in Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona. New Mexico and Arizona is actually where my parents are from. My dad from New Mexico, my mom from Arizona. Okay, cool. Um, and you mentioned visiting down there, and you show me like images on on Google Maps mm-hmm. of visiting, and I thought it looked pretty neat. And I'd I'd like to go. Can anyone just go to the reservation? Yeah, I mean, if you have the means to get there, <laughs> I know some tribes are a little bit more, you know hey, don't come onto our land mm-hmm. or whatever, just because maybe it's so small and they want to keep things sacred and, you know. But for my for my tribe, you know, a lot of people go through it and whether they're just traveling through to get to somewhere else or they want to visit, you know, our homeland and see different, different sites or whatever. I mean, it's really beautiful. I did say it's desert, but it's beautiful desert. Yeah, all sorts of terrain. There all you sorts go. Of all sorts of weather and so it's really beautiful actually and yeah if you wanted to go we could uh we could go hunt for bigfoot or for yeah other mysterious creatures that i don't want to talk about because i don't Ooh. want anything to happen to me oh okay <laughs> well neat ty thanks for uh telling me a little bit more about that yeah of course um, where you're from kind of as another thought i think a lot of people um unfortunately and i think this is unfortunate because there's a lot of neat things about you and your background that i've learned unfortunately a lot of people's minds go straight to the sports mascot debate when they think about Native Americans. Oh, yeah. And um, and I think it gets a lot of press because it's like a hot-button issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure there aren't as many people that care as much as they act. Like, you can't take that mascot away. It's <laughs> My grandfather loved that <laughs> mascot. Like, I, I don't know if people are really that invested in it or if it's just performance art. But yeah. do you have any, I guess, a collection of thoughts on the subject? Hmm. or anything you'd say to people who want to know your opinion my opinion (laughs) not speaking for anyone let me make this clear i'm not speaking for a whole group of people speaking for myself i think there's there are ways to do it right Hmm. i think we have really good examples um like uh the university of utah their mascot is the utes right and uh they do it they do incredible stuff. They actually work with the Ute tribe um, to do a lot of, you know, cultural trainings and even like performances that they incorporate into like games and stuff. Right. It's like a partnership between the tribe and the yeah. school, right? And so they have this understanding. And so I think that's a really great way to go about it, you know, just kind of educating and and um, teaching people. It's, it's really, really, really a good thing to do. I mean, and... When I think of mascots, you know, I think of the Washington, or they're not called the Washington football team. The Commanders. Yeah, the yeah. Commanders. The Washington football team. I, I think the, the funniest thing about that whole thing is between changing the name, they crapped their pants and couldn't come up with a new name. So they spent a year as the Washington football team. I think they should have kept it. I love I love that name. Go team go. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. <laughs> Something so comical. About but I I interrupted you. What were you going to say about no, that? No, I mean the name they they were referred to, you know, the name they had was the Redskins, you know, which has all sorts of historical um you know, bad bad history history to it, I guess. Um, you know, just it came from another way to call an Indian that was scalped, the red meaning the blood that was on their mm. skin when they were scalped 
And so that's where the term Redskins came from. Um, and so I'm glad they changed that. Yeah, I actually didn't know that. So, <laughs> um, I mean, Commanders, I could probably take it or leave it. I, yeah. I wish they'd stuck with Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a nice spring to it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think so. Well, and then, like, another team that I think about in terms of this mascot debate um, was uh, the Cleveland Indians. Which yes, Indians, not a bad name. Sure, I mean we we're literally called Indians by the government. They have a whole bureau for us called the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Yes, I've heard of that. And so, you know, that's not too bad. But what I find kind of wild, the logo, the, the logo itself. Yeah, what was that it Chief w- Wahoo? I don't know. Something like that. Aren't they the... They're the, the Guardians. The Guardians now. Yeah. I think they named it the Cleveland Guardians because there's like statues on a bridge in Cleveland that are called the Guardians and it's like about the statues okay. or something. But Yeah. So I think, you know, it's not everything related to Native Americans is bad. Not everything, you know, is needs to be changed, in, in my opinion. Sure. I think, you know, like what I mentioned with the University of Utah, I think there are good ways to go about it. And... Yeah. Know, well, it seems like maybe uh, one general rule is um, if it's a partnership, great. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a caricature, not great. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope people are a little more thoughtful about that before they just kind of jump in with other people online. Because I feel like online, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, and exactly. You can just hide behind a screen or a camera and uh, just say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, no, that's all very interesting to me, and um, I'm glad you were able to include me in that conversation coming over to my desk at Undisclosed Company mm-hmm. and uh, talking to me about that. Of course. Uh, well, one final treat we have for everybody is Ty has another set of skills, Not again, not like Liam Neeson, <laughs> but Ty has another set of skills where he makes traditional jewelry, mm-hmm. and I noticed this because Ty wears these beautiful rings to work, and uh, I asked him about it once, and I said, oh, where did you get those? And for some of them, you were like, I made these. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that is the most gangster move I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> You're like, oh, where'd you get your bling? It's like, I forged it in my own <laughs> kiln. <laughs> you know. So um, tell us a little bit more about the jewelry making, how that started, Yeah, I mean, how it works. I mean, I'm wearing a piece right now. Yeah. Um, so I guess how it started for me um, was... You know, I guess, first of all, turquoise jewelry is huge in, in my tribe and in a lot of tribes within the southwest United States. Um, so turquoise, I always saw it growing up. You know, my mom was wearing it. Um, a lot of, a lot of the, the women in my family, I, I noticed, you know, because um, the women in my family tended to wear more jewelry than men. Okay. Um, and so I always saw it growing up and I, I just loved the color of turquoise and just this idea of creating jewelry that you can wear. Um, just really, really stood out to me. And so then eventually I was like, I need to, I need to try doing this. I want to try and make something for my own. And so, um, I stole a bunch of my dad's tools. My Mm. dad's an electrician. And so a lot of those tools worked for jewelry making and, um, set up in, set up in my studio, my studio being my parents' basement. Great. (laughs) Nothing wrong with a basement studio, by the way. (laughs) Not that we're in a basement or anything, but... (laughs) And after watching a lot of YouTube videos and uh, reading forums online, I I started getting into it. You know, I melted a lot of things. I ruined a lot of pieces. But then eventually I was able to make a a piece for myself. And, you know, I I wore that with pride for many years. That's awesome. 
Um, again, it sounds like you were more or less self-taught then. I mean, you, you had things to mimic and go off of, but it sounded like trial and error for a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, seeing and appreciating style and then mimicking that, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's really cool. Um, so what's the process now um, when you have an idea for a piece and, and take, us, take us through step one through the final step? <clears throat> um, how do you start making a ring and how do you finish it? Yeah, so when I'm starting a piece, you know, I either start with the thought of, oh, I want to make myself something, or I want to make something for a family member or a close friend, um, and then kind of take inventory of all the supplies I have, and if I need anything, um, you know, I'll go to jewelry supply store or order something online, and then just kind of sketch out my idea, uh, whether it's in my sketchbook or just on a random piece of paper, sticky note at work, whatever, and then... Uh, just kind of go from there and then solder everything, cut everything, file everything, sand everything, polish everything, and then put it all together and there you have it. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's that's uh, that's really ambitious for you to just pick up a skill like that. That's great. Um I'm not I'm not that brave with detail. I'm not really a detail guy, mm. but I, I appreciate people who have an eye for detail. And in some of the jewelry you show me, it, it definitely pops. Like, oh, somebody put a lot of attention into this. So me being who I am, I saw the wonderful jewelry that you make, and I thought, I have to have Ty make me something. <laughs> yeah. And I said, Ty, craft me up something. And you're like, well, what do you want? I'm like surprise me mm -hmm. and so i think this is a pretty neat opportunity i heard you actually made a ring for me and you brought it tonight for me to try out is that is that the case i did i did in fact oh my god i'm so nervous <laughs> is someone filming this actually we are so <laughs> okay anthony jarvis what do you have there i've known you for about a year now And <laughs> I made this for oh you. Goodness. Yes, a million times, yes. <laughs> Does it fit? It fits. Check it out, crew. <laughs> I have a ring handcrafted by my friend, Ty Allison. And it pops. I told you it pops. Mm -hmm. I like it. Thanks, I'm dude. glad you like oh, it. Oh, my gosh. This is the best day of my life. And I've been married and had two kids. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all about the ring, baby. It's all about the bling. Okay, so in future episodes of this show, this is my guarantee. You are going to be see, seeing me wearing this ring. I will be wearing this ring in future episodes of the show. Nice. Until I lose it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, I like it. I like how it's like a full knuckle. I know a lot of the rings that you make are like that. Mm -hmm. um, not these tiny little... No, I wimpy it, rings, you know. Wanted to be something it's the you know, real kind statement, very but, manly and very bulky and chunky. I think that describes me to a T. Me so, as well. <laughs> bulky, chunky, manly. Manly. Anyway, um, <laughs> that sounds like a really natural place to leave off. What do you think of that? I think so. Wow, what a treat, Ty! Thanks for being here. Um, really appreciated your time. Yeah. Um, chatting about a bunch of amazing things, giving me this awesome ring. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here in your base studio it's an actual studio okay doesn't matter where in the house it's located or in the 
business park that it's located. But uh, no, folks, um, Ty Allison, everybody, real good friend of mine. It was a great episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Comment what your, your favorite part of the show was. Uh, I'd love to hear from you uh, to create future content. And I guarantee Ty's going to be back on the show talking about other things soon. So we'll go ahead and leave it there today. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye.